Over recent Sunday mornings, we've been working our way through Mark's Gospel, through the events leading up to the crucifixion, and we've kept coming back to the question that was asked of Peter by Jesus, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's a question I want us to keep in mind as we look at these few verses this morning. Because depending on how we answer that, is not only life-changing in its first sense when we first follow Jesus, but continues to be life-changing as we continue to say who Jesus is. These verses that we've, we've just heard read, they are familiar verses, I know, to many of us. But we're just going to pick out a few things as we look through them this morning. Verse 21, Simon of Cyrene is forced to carry the cross to Golgotha. Jesus, in the previous verses, he's been flogged, he's been beaten, he has a crown of thorns on his head. He would have been physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally weakened by all of this. And then he is offered the wine with myrrh to drink. He refuses it at this point. And so we get to verse 24, when he's crucified. His clothes are divided up, the soldiers casting lots to see what he would get. And he's crucified with the sign above him, the King of the Jews. Now the way that Mark records the events here, what we see is something pretty horrendous going on to Jesus. Because there's not just the physical pain that is happening, but there is the humiliation, there is the rejection. And I don't think that any of us in this room today can quite grasp what is going on here. It is beyond our experience. Jesus has had people, people who are close to him, totally reject him. Peter, one of the inner circle, the one who'd been there at the transfiguration, says, I don't know the man. When it comes to a choice between saving his own skin or being there with Jesus, he goes for the easy option. The crowds in the city, now it may be a bit of a stretch to say these were the ones who were there on Palm Sunday saying, Hosanna. There were lots of crowds in Jerusalem during Passover. But the general mood in the city has changed from here is the coming king to here is a failure and a blasphemer. A totally different narrative is now taking place. And what Mark gives us at this point is some insight into those people who witnessed the scene as to how they start to comment on what is going on. Verse 29, the first people. We get those who are passing by. If you like, these are the crowds. These are the people wandering around Jerusalem. There have been tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem for Passover, and some of them are wandering past. And they start to hurl insults towards Jesus. So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Interesting, isn't it? They've heard some of Jesus' teaching. They know some of the things that Jesus has said before. John 2.19, Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So they obviously know something about Jesus, but they don't understand who he is or what he's talking about. And these accounts, these accounts leading up to the crucifixion in all the gospel writers are full of rejection of Jesus. None more painful than actually as Jesus will die with the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders and the Father himself will turn his face away. But it can be very easy for us sat in a church building when we know there are billions of Christians around the world doing the same thing today, to think, actually, we wouldn't be like these rejectors. We somehow would be different. 
We wouldn't be like Peter. We wouldn't save our own skin. We would stand there and say, no, I'm with Jesus. He's my Lord and my Saviour. But actually, I look at my own life. And perhaps you want to look at yours this morning. And just see the amount of rejection of Jesus that there is in our own lives at the moment. The amount of times when we choose our own way rather than God's way. You know, sin at its most basic is when we love something more than we love God. When we turn to something else rather than God's ways. It might be that we fail to love our neighbour as ourselves. It might be that we get sucked into some juicy gossip and make excuses for sharing it. It may be that we fiddle our tax return. Whatever it is, something is being loved more than God himself. Whenever we do that, we reject Jesus. We twist his words for our own ends. And yet still, those words of Jesus from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, needs to be ringing in our ears. Next up in Mark's account are the religious people. Verse 31, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. These are people who think they've got it all sorted. They are the people who think they know what God wants, they know what God um, expects of them, and yet here they come face to face with the Son of God dying, with the sacrificial love of God, with the Passover lamb, the once-for-all sacrifice, being poured out, and they don't recognise it. They don't recognise what is happening. All they can do is mock amongst themselves. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Now again, we can look 2,000 years later and say, well, how didn't they see it? These were men who knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecies of Isaiah. They knew the suffering servant passages that talk about exactly what was going on. And yet they failed to see that on the cross of Calvary, the Messiah, the Son of God, lay dying for their sins. But it can be easy, can't it, to be blind to Jesus? It can be easy not to see the significance of the cross. Here today in our village, many people will just treat today like another bank holiday. They may go round, they may see crosses on some of our church buildings, but they won't see the significance of what that cross represents. Blinded to the meaning of Calvary. Do we see the cross today? But not just do we see it, do we understand it? Are our eyes open? Do we have the revelation of what Calvary is about? I want to fast forward just a few verses to verse 39. Jesus has cried out. He's cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That ultimate sense of God turning his back on his precious son. The curtain in the temple has torn. This curtain was the curtain that separated the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, The presence of God is now accessible through Jesus. And then we get a final comment from an onlooker. We've had, if you like, the crowds, we've had the religious people, and now we get the final remark. And it's not from a theologian, it's not from a close disciple, it's not from somebody who thinks he's got it all sorted, it's not even from somebody who is a worshipper of God. It's from a Roman centurion, a military man, somebody who might well have been a worshipper of Jupiter and all these other Roman gods. He is the one who gets it. The unexpected person gets it right. When he sees the cross, when he sees how Jesus dies, 
when he sees all the events and the darkness and the temple curtain being torn, he says, surely this man was the Son of God. All those who should have known better, all those who have seen miracles, all those who have seen um, and heard Jesus' teaching, they don't get it at this point. But this man does. You know, it's impossible to understand Jesus until we've come face to face with what happens on Calvary. It's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus until we too have sat in front of the cross and realised that here Jesus dies for our sin. Romans 5 verse 8, but God shows his love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Colossians 2 verse 14, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside nailing it to the cross. You know, Jesus fulfills the law that we can't. Jesus takes the sin that would give us death and brings us freedom. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Today, will we accept, not reject? Today will we see the cross, not be blinded. Today will we follow Jesus and see him as he really is. Why does Jesus die? Very simple, but incredibly profound. Because he loves us. What will Paul say in Galatians? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of this All of this pain, all of this anguish is because he loves us. You know, as Christians, as church, we can talk about all kinds of things, can't we? We can talk about all kinds of things to do with with how we interpret the Bible in terms of church buildings, in terms of leadership, all these kind of things that we talk about. Yet if we miss this point, we miss everything. Because he loves us and gave himself for us. We are free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were obedient to your Father. We thank you that because you suffered, we are free. Thank you that we are free to follow you today. Thank you that today is a good day because today is the day that you took the sin, the death that we deserved so that we might have life both in this life and in the life to come. Thank you that this day reminds us that we are your children when we turn to you in repentance and faith. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.